Welcome once again into the Soccer OG. That's me, Paulo Ticanio. Just kidding. That's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 23. As we always like to ask to please download, subscribe, share, and review this podcast. It is uh, our path to super podstum. Made up a word. Or as the late, great Jerry Reed said with regards to this pod, we got a long way to go, but a short time to get there. Big show, and I mean it this time. There's a lot going on. There's going to be shows where we don't have a lot to coverage, but not this program. Uh, in the business end, I'll be joined by former U.S. international and regular broadcast partner of mine, Heath Pierce, to talk about the Gold Cup quarterfinals, how the USA fared, and we'll get into the semifinals as well, take a deeper look at what's happening in a competition that is uh, got a lot more interesting as we had predicted last week. In stoppage time, I am going to talk about the U.S. women's Olympic effort, Olympic soccer in general. U.S. women struggling on the field, but is there a perception issue? I'll tell you what I discovered and what is the U.S. women's future going to look like after this in a competition that right now looks they won't be successful in. I'll wrap it all up with my week of COVID. All of that starts right now. You heard correctly. I had COVID and I'll get into the Gold Cup and the Olympics. A lot of good stuff to talk about. But hey, why don't I seize this opportunity of something that's never happened before and is newsworthy and discuss it. So uh, Monday, I was feeling a little bit off. Uh, last Sunday, I recorded the pod and it was all okay. Moving forward. Carry on. Nothing to see. Monday felt a little bit off. Nothing terrible. Tuesday, my sinuses started acting up and uh, I had to get some uh, decongestion, so I did that. It felt like a cold. I hadn't been sick in so long. Because I took a flu shot for the first time in 2018 and again in 2019 and 20, and I haven't gotten sick since. So this would have been the first one. You can, I, you, I know you can hear it in my, in my lungs and all that. It's a little, bit of, a little bit of gunk in there. It's to be expected. Wednesday, I felt great. I went for, I went to, did some exercise, everything. Felt good. When I went to bed, I was really tired. I remember that. Thursday, I woke up. I feel bad for my wife. It's her birthday this week, and uh, COVID kind of ruined it. But uh, Thursday, I went out to get her stuff. Me and my son. So I'm next to my son, which is... the um, Went to the LA Flower Mart. Great place to visit. Great prices for flowers, but it's fun to walk around there. Went to a couple of the places. Then I went to Costco and uh, was outside... And I ordered one of those pepperoni slices and it was steaming hot and I bit into it and the oil dripped on my lip and I didn't quite feel it and couldn't taste the pizza. And I was like, okay, something's not right here. Still felt pretty decent. Go and get the test. I had golf the next day with uh, one of the higher ups at LAFC. So I had I called him, hey, I don't feel good. I felt terrible about canceling. Turned out it was a good call. I had the LAFC broadcast on Saturday. I alerted them and said, let me check a look at this and I'll get back to you. We may have to do some uh, adjustments. And by the way, hats off to the great Mark Rogandino for filling in. He did the pre and post game and he also called the game. Just want to let everyone know when you see it, he made it look easy. It's not easy. It's really difficult to do all of that in one show. That's why a lot of people don't do it. 
So uh, I got the positive test, went through the checklist, uh, quarantined, got my family tested. They were all negative, thank goodness. I can't tell you what a relief that is because I'm thinking about all the time because we're all within close proximity and I'm very close always to the family. We're always in the same space, as I imagine most families are. But that's why you have to test because you don't want to bring this to your family's doorstep. You don't want to put them out of commission. No matter how heavy or little the effects are, you don't want that. I'm stuck in this house you know, for the next few days, I'm like, uh, get out of here. They got to have this wonderful home studio. But I don't want this. So um, I just want to say what I went through. And I know I, I, I did a video. A lot of people responded. And it was a wonderful uh, response because I came out and said it. Because for a minute there, I said, do I say anything? And I go, people won't notice. And I don't want to be a glory boy. But I go, look, I'll say, I'll say why I'm not there. And I'll, I'll tell people what I'm going through because... You know, information is power, right? And I'm not here to lecture anyone. I'm just telling you what I went through. And because of the flu vaccine, which I've had in the past and worked, and now the uh, the uh, the COVID vaccine, which I had in very early April, I've, I believe in them. I don't know. They might have a detrimental effect. I don't know. Look, it's strong medicine. You're sticking this strong medicine in your arm. That's There's no denying that. But some, we need it. And I had not gotten sick in those three years since my first flu vaccine or flu shot. So uh, I am pretty convinced that this vaccine mitigated the effects of COVID. I could actually feel it in my body. It was going at my lungs and it, some, the, the vaccine said no. Went into my sinuses, no. And it kept looking for other places. It had nowhere else to go. It took away my sense of smell or taste. I'm not a doctor. I don't know. That's how it works. That's just kind of how it felt. So right now, very little symptoms. I mean, I'm a little, sh- and as I'm talking to you, because I haven't really exerted myself, a little shortness of breath, uh, because I have an incredible uh, cardio. So anything below that, I will notice immediately. And uh, the senses and no fever, no headaches. But I believe that. You can believe whatever you want, but that's what I went through. And uh, it finally got me, but I'm making the most of it. And it's, you know what's amazing? When I reached out to people, I go, hey, I know I was next to you. I got COVID. I feel terrible. And I go, thanks for calling and reaching out. I got a call from the people I was going to play golf at. When they saw my video, they're like, hey, man, heads up. That's big time. That's a good feeling. And also protecting your family, regardless of what you feel. But I think we should all get vaccinated. Let's give it a shot. <laughs> I, that was, I was not trying to be puntastic there. Let's give it a shot. Let's see where it goes. Because I, it looks like, and I'm not saying it based on mine, that we're kind of going in these cycles and we're going to keep, we're going to keep dealing with this until we, we're uh, forever because it just keeps going back and back. So I'm, I'm willing, but who's to say, but it's been an interesting week and uh, I got to get out of this house. I got to get out. I won't. I'll take my time. I really feel like a shot of tequila. Maybe tonight as a gift right before bed. We're going to get into it. We'll have the Gold Cup with uh, Heath Pierce. We're going to talk about that. I'm actually recording this part before the USA Games and the Canada-Costa Rica, so we can talk about it. We do know Qatar, sorry, Qatar. We'll talk about what they did as well as El Salvador. That's in the business. And coming up a little bit later, we will talk about the U.S. women's uh, national team efforts in Tokyo and in the Olympics uh, soccer in general, which... uh, Not the easiest to watch, at least right now. I'm sure it'll get better. This is the Soccer OG. Download, subscribe, rate, review. Download, that's a terrible song. We'll be back. 
Welcome back. We are here on the Soccer OG's business and joining me, former U.S. men's national team player, FC Dallas. That was that was your primary residence in Major League Soccer, correct? And then you had some Scandinavian love. Uh, FC Dallas was only for a year, actually. Was it? Um, but it was, you know, I was an all-star there. We lost in the MLS Cup. We That's what it records, was, 2010. So that's greatest probably, year in MLS it was history. The, yeah, it was... The, it was it was a really good year for me personally, a really good year for the team, and probably the the most successful window, um, even though it was a short one. Did I say that I was joined by Heath Pierce, just overall good guy and colleague? And before we get into talking about Gold Cup, I just want to let it. As I mentioned earlier, I, I discovered I had COVID, and Heath, I was supposed to do the LAFC game with Heath. He's my plus one in the broadcast booth, and you called me for like some information Thursday. And I, I should have told you this, at that very moment is when I felt it hitting a crescendo. So I was on the phone with you going, what's going on? This ain't right. <laughs> Something's coming. When I hung up with you, really? I, I went and did the, the, uh, the antigen test and was positive. So it was like moments after. I, I don't know if you could. No- did you notice something different on the phone? Was I, I, was, I, I felt I was very short with you. Yeah. I didn't know. I mean, obviously, I can I can overanalyze it and you're gonna go hey do you have covid no it it felt like at times on the call that like you were like i caught you in the middle of something right like i caught you in the middle of an email or in the middle of a a conference call or something where it was like there was times where it was just like these delays where i was just like you know is that uh, weird that's what was happening yeah yeah and and uh you know now i know why good Um, and now i now i feel better because i hung up with you you're probably what a jerk I actually didn't notice it that much, but it but it was sort of this thing where I was like, you know, I, I obviously I just called out of the blue and hope to catch you. And, you know, at times somebody will answer and then you're like, hey, I'm about to steal 20 minutes of your time. So whatever you're doing, hope it's not important. So um, no, but uh, but, um, you know, I'm glad you're able to find out what what it was. And and uh, also and not you know, not get used kudos to you, by the way. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, it, that that's that's the scary part. Right. Um, and obviously both of us are vaccinated, but it, I think kudos to you for, for sharing it the way that you have and, 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 and humanizing and normalizing it for people, because it's still a little bit of a scarlet letter for people. And I think that's part of the issue. Um, and so for you to speak up about it and, and, and recommend people that if they don't feel right, you know, uh, to get tested, because a lot of, a lot of things right now, people are saying, you know, obviously no one's been out. And so kids are back around and the, they're seeing an uptick in the flu and, you know, all these types of things that, that, you know, for you to stay, you know, if you don't feel right, go and get tested. Um, if you have the ability to do so, I think is what was, was, uh, was a smart thing to do. Well done. I appreciate that. And to be honest, it wasn't something I never even planned, but I was even going, what do I do? Do I say anything? Do I just keep down low? I really was like 50, 50. And I was like, all right, no, this is the right thing. And I go, I'm in a deep, I'm having a good experience and I know it's the vaccine that's helping. So we'll go on with that. By the way, I, that was Thursday, Friday. I had a, 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 one of the owners of LAFC invited me to play golf and I called him right after you. And I said, I don't think I can make it. Let me, I, I feel a little under the weather. And then I did that video saying I had it. And then he responds to me. He goes, Oh my God. He goes, well, thanks for, for protecting all of us. And I was like, can you imagine me coughing there? And I was like, bad look, you no longer work yeah. here, Max. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, no, I think, you know, it's just, this is the, this is the, the thing we're seeing in uptick. You weren't, you're not the only person that I know that's, that's going through this right now. There's a number of yeah. people that I know. I heard um, from a so bunch of people too. That's what this conversation, this allowed me to discover. No. Yeah. Okay. It's enough of COVID. Let's talk some football, mate. 
All right. U.S. team. We had the, it was a good quarterfinals of the Gold Cup. It was uh, yesterday. We had this really good game between Qatar. Do you say Qatar or Qatar? I say Qatar. I think any I, I think uh, when it comes to that, you say it the way that you've always said it or the way you've always heard it. There may be a better pronunciation. Uh, I don't think it's an offensive one. Uh, I spent a lot of time in the Middle East and we've always wow. said uh, Qatar. Um, it's never been Qatar. Um, perhaps in Arabic, you would say it that way, but, um, yeah, it's, it's I, I say Qatar. People convinced me for Qatar and then everyone started saying Qatar again. And I felt like I was, uh, I was the butt of the joke going, Hey, we got up to say Qatar. <laughs> so I did, I, I did not appreciate that. So I'm going back to Qatar, but that was a great game. Mexico flexing their muscles, tremendous inside a packed house. Uh, Canada was such a pleasant surprise as well. Uh, really outplaying Costa Rica. And we can talk a little bit about that. And then the U S getting by it. But you know, what I said after this game and U S soccer Twitter is, uh, is, is crazy. You know, people are angry. I don't know why, but you know, we kind of came in this tournament saying that we're trying to find some guys for the world cup qualifying process. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people thought maybe they wouldn't win the group. Maybe they wouldn't uh, get by the quarterfinals. A lot of people speaking Jamaica. So they're in the semis. So I'm already calling it. This is a success, regardless of what happens Thursday night against Qatar. And they uh, have a good defensive record. Obviously, you'd like more goals. Some guys stepped up. Some didn't. But I think you have four or five guys that you can say, all right, after this process, you can come along. I think they beat Qatar just because they have the depth to get through. But I think through this mm -hmm. four games, this is job well done by Greg Barhalter and company. Yeah, I'm on the fence with reaching a semifinal being successful because I don't think their path has been particularly hard. I think yeah. it was a wake-up call to see the way that uh, Canada approached the game against the U.S. Obviously, it's a group stage game. There was implications in that who would win the group and potentially have to face Mexico, which Canada's going to have to do in a semifinal, uh, which the U.S. didn't want to do either. And we're outplayed by Canada. And so... Against this Jamaica side, I thought it was just a really good international match. Uh, all things considered, the time of the year, the fact that it's not everyone's best teams or best players, I thought it was a, a good competition. I thought that uh, it was it was a high level where both teams forced the other team to, to stay honest. But there were still some long stretches where I thought the U.S. was so sloppy in their passing and, and ran out of ideas and just really couldn't, couldn't get out of their own way. You know, it's funny, it's actually very similar to to uh to the way lafc played oh my god uh, i was gonna i was gonna bring that up to you it's so uh, I frustrating like, i don't i don't i don't, don't want to bring this uh, too many things into this but like yeah it was very much that Carbon where copy. it's just like you know the ball goes to the next guy and you're like okay at least he'll keep the ball and he loses the ball and it goes to the next person they're like he'll keep the ball and he lumps it over and it's this constant transition and then a few minutes pass and you find yourself the team's completely out of rhythm but this was there was at least moments for me and players for me that I thought uh, rose to the challenge and, and competed. I thought Vines and Moore were, were, were good. And I think when you can talk, say that about your, your, your fullbacks, especially going back to a back four system that they did in this game, I think that's good enough, right? You can't have everyone playing as at, at, at like eight, nines and tens level. If you can have sevens and eights for, for a number of players, you're going to be in any match and it's going to keep you in, in matches. So I think starting with the fullbacks, I thought were good, but I honestly, I think, Robinson has been fantastic to me. Um, and especially today, he was in, because of these bad turnovers and because of these bad situations, there were times where I think we've had these moments in the past where, and, and it happens at every level, including the best teams in the Premier League. You get a center back pulled out to, to, to the wing against a, a pacey winger, and you're like, oh man, this is not going to end well. 
And he got turned and spun and ran at a bunch of different times where he, he just had to continuously make plays, which I think was, uh, he, he delivered on. Um, I thought Turner, Turner was also good. I think it's great when one of your better players is a goalkeeper. Uh, he, he's only having to make a couple saves a match, but he's, he's, he's again, doing those again. I think I put this similar to Romero right now for LAFC. Uh, I, I promise that's the last reference I'm going to make to LAFC in this, but, um, but yeah, I think, you know, he, he's been good. And then Sands also has been fantastic on the ball, just quality, his intensity, just the, the I feel like that back line has just had this intensity of, of not us. We're not going to be the ones that let this team down. We might not score a bunch of goals. We might have not have a rhythm in our buildup play. And I, you know, between um, Acosta, um, uh, Legette and, and Busio, I thought at times was okay. But again, I don't think they're great at connecting uh, with each other with the skill set that I think they have. They should be much better at being able to vertically uh, move the ball up the field. I don't think they're quite there yet. But they were both, all three of them, far better than they were against Canada. But uh, still a lot to be desired. And then obviously with DK up top, I think anytime you have a system that doesn't vertically advance the ball, you're going to have him out on an island more often than not. Yes, his... His, uh, his, his passing and hold-up play wasn't the sharpest, but I don't think a system uh, that operates the way that it did uh, against uh, a Jamaica side like it was is going to put DK in, in a position for success. And then uh, the last thing I would say about that is I thought Hoppy is really good. I think we're seeing a ceiling to his game in, 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 in the match. A uh, ceiling to his game currently. Uh, you're seeing well, I know, skills. Dude, I know exactly are, what you're talking about because I think I, I saw it there and I go, this is probably it. Um, this is what he does, but he does it well kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, he does it well, but if you're a defender and you know that every time he gets the ball, he's going to run at me. I'm like, okay, that's going to be an easy night because I know exactly what he's going to do every time. So the point that I'm saying with the ceiling is that his game became predictable. He doesn't have the qualities to do that over and over and over again, um, yet. And so he's got to learn to mix up his game, right? Check back and lay a ball off simply a few times. You know, uh, spin out, get into the channels. Just really add different elements to his game that makes him a, a, a far less predictable player uh, that isn't just about getting the ball, and every time I get the ball, I have to go down and score. And I think if he can start to add those elements to his game, he's going to be far harder to play against because he is a big body, and he is active, and he is powerful. But I'd like to see him pick and choose those moments when he, when he, when he uses those tools and develop other tools that, that make him a, a more dynamic player, if that makes sense. I'm going to go back to the LAFC analogy because the two, the two teams that I watch the most right lately and probably for, for, from this day forward is LAFC and U.S. Men's National Team. And I was telling myself, are the, does anyone else, no one else turns the ball over like this because I'm watching it a lot and it's driving me a little batty, but maybe everyone's doing it, but not everyone is doing it. This is a, an, an issue for both of them to work out, but they're both good enough to resolve it. The hoppy part about going at defenders, and I, I get it. Look, you, you, you as a defender, you see these guys going. I'm glad somebody did it a little bit more frequently because um, I guess the fullbacks kind of pushed it a little bit. And I, I just was glad that there was some engagement. Sometimes it worked, but sometimes he wasn't able to get that crack, but he waited for some overlapping runs, which was good. But I see what you mean. But I was like relieved that there was like a guy who was like, I'm, I'm pinning my ears back and I'm going to go for it. Granted, he, and he also, <laughs> I also liked the aspect where he would like go to ground a bit, hoping for a, a free kick. And he, he didn't get any of that from the referee, by the way. Over yeah, three. None. He got none yeah, of it. He, 
He got none, but I thought the ref was, was consistent and, and ref was not good. wanting to give up anything, anything, anything cheap. And again, when you talk about a, a good quarterfinal match and the quality of a quarterfinal match, a lot of that comes down to the ref allowing there to build a rhythm in the game. And I thought that he allowed there to be a rhythm. There wasn't too many scrappy challenges. There wasn't too many bad challenges or the ref having to sort of make his emphasis on the match. And I thought he let it breathe a little bit more and, and, and let some of the physicality um, just take place and not no cheap fouls and not allowing there to be some sort of uh, momentum shift based on his 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 ruling. So um, yeah, overall, I thought uh, again something to build on. I think if you're if you're talking about trending, you look at Mexico and Mexico draw against uh, Trinidad early on, and then now they're just continuing to get better and better every game, and then they completely dismantle uh, a Honduras side and. And then obviously Funes Mori uh, getting better and better every game. That's exactly how you won in the tournament. I think the U.S. hasn't gotten better every single game. But if you were to look at Canada and the wake-up call there and see the way that Acosta, uh, Busio, and Legette responded to an otherwise average performance, the fact that they got another chance at, uh, at, at that same um, setup, I think, is, is important. But there was a response there. And I think the response uh, paid off in the way that they were uh, they were in transition, their speed in transition, their intensity and in their defending and their pride and in, in, in what that meant to try to shut down a, a Jamaica squad. So I, th I do think they are trending in the right direction. I don't think it was status quo um, because, you know, when you compare that to Mexico, who have just sort of gotten better and better every game, the way the, the most ideal of scenarios when you're in tournament play is to just, you know, get that bad one out at the start and then just continue to gel and form and feel uh, more and more invincible the way the way that they are, I think. Uh, they're, they're still the team to beat, but I think the U.S. are at least moving in the right direction after that match. Yeah, I, I think it's a flawed Mexico team, but they're the favorite. They're just loaded. Uh, I think they'll have their hands full in the semi, but I'm going to get back to the U.S. real quickly on what we wanted to see. So the U.S. wants to build their team for September World Cup qualifying beginning September 2nd against El Salvador. So they have their core guys, 12, 15 core guys that they, you, would, you would have seen in the Nations League, and they're trying to get seven or eight more guys, maybe less than that from this group, probably four or five, that they can rely on. So I, I went through the, my checklist, and one was Daryl DK. Can he get on there? Maybe. Can he be a featured striker? No, I don't think so. After what we've seen here, he just got a, he's got a ways to go. Uh, uh, the other one was, could Gianluca Busio, after that great performance against Martinique, get on that roster? Possibly. And could he be the lockdown backup for Tyler Adams? And that worries me because I don't think he's ready for it, but he, I loved his response in the second half. And I thought he was going to get pulled and hats off to Greg Berhalter. Cause I think he was a big part in the U S revival and he kept it going. I mean, the Jamaicans got tired. So I appreciate that. So you can touch on those two, but the other one that was really interesting to me, and you mentioned the breakthrough on the defenders um, fullbacks, is is really up for grabs. We think Serginho Des, but I, I feel like they have to find a, a position for him where he doesn't have to defend so much. So I don't know. Uh, the right back was possibly uh, Reggie Cannon, who has been a bit player here, but he's had some injuries. And Vines and uh, Moore have seized it. I don't know how. I, I imagine they make a roster, but I'm looking for guys that go a little further. And I keep thinking about the center backs. So Sands was so cool. Uh, he just is perfect defender, never always makes the right move, uh, always is in the right position, fit across the board, and then Miles Robinson. So we have John Brooks. He's our number one defender. And then the, the number two would be what? Miazga or McKenzie, as we saw in the Nations League, if Aaron Long's healthy. Um, 
Chris Richards maybe at some point. But I think Sands and Robinson get on that roster. I, I would like to think Sands plays if he keeps going on this trajectory by September because he's a different defender from John Brooks. Maybe he could be handy. Maybe he could help the midfield. Is it crazy to think that one or two of those guys could not only make that roster but see minutes? No, not at all. I mean, if you look at Mark, uh, if you look at Mark McKenzie, uh, he was a late call up to the Nations League. He was he was a you know sort of Aaron Long going down, and then um, Chris Richards being injured. This was a sort of wait and see. This was an initial roster conversion to an opportunity to now play games of consequence and 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 put himself in the conversation of of the national team he's obviously in and out of the lineup in his first months in belgium and then you look at zimmerman same thing comes in for that for that uh game in utah against costa rica and 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 has himself a good game and and clearly shows what his tools are right great in set pieces great in the air being a physical presence for the team lacks in his ability to play out i don't think lacking is the right word but when you compare him to a sans who's natural on the ball can play the number six position like he does at nycfc he is one that i think for sure and then also robinson i think both of them have a legitimate argument to be trusted and again yeah the level of this tournament is not as high as the nation's league semifinal or final is going to be the 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 stakes aren't as high either in terms of the quality of players on the field but you're still in a quarterfinal matchup and you still have to prove yourself and you still have to uh play against a jamaica team that i thought were pretty good um yeah and, they were and in in the run of play were very difficult to to defend against and so I think both of them have, have made an argument for themselves. I think Busio still has a ways to go. The hard part with Busio is the first few minutes of the game, I was thinking, man, I'm going to put this guy in a luxury category, aren't I? I'm going to put him in a luxury player category because <laughs> he's such a good player, but the game looks fast for him at times. Uh, and then he started to settle in. And again, his, his, he, he does little things that, that a lot of people probably don't see. And I'm not saying that I see them because I have some sort of special eye. But he, his ability to know what's happening around him a lot of times where he receives the ball on the half turn, turns up field, and then has three options and is able to pick the right option, uh, I think is, is a huge skill set. The problem is, is that when he wants to be part of the buildup, I found him finding his access to being part of that in really deep positions closer to the back line where he has to be an asset is in those half spaces on the half turn in tight areas where there's not a lot of options and to be able to solve in those spaces, right? We know because you can't have him go back there and get the ball in the buildup. And then who does he connect to? When I talk about vertically advancing the ball, I don't think Legette is necessarily that guy. I don't think Acosta is comfortable in that situation. He's, he's, he's comfortable playing in that six in front of the back line and 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 decent in the buildup. Uh, you know, taking the Nations League final, for example, when he started to solve, figure out what the solve was for breaking the press against Mexico, coming in with his timing, I thought he was good. Um, but I don't want Busio sitting in front of my back my back line because in transition, yeah, he proved more today that he can scrap and he can fight and 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 he can he can compete in transition. He looked faster than 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 I think he's he's shown and and more powerful than he's shown in in the matches in the past. But I want him higher up the field because he does have an X factor on the ball. He does have a vision. And just this uh, calm to him of being able to receive the ball in tight spaces, technically astute where he can get in and out of tight areas and start some combination play that starts to link up the midfield to the attacking third and the attacking players. That's where he has to become great. Um, and until he does, I still see him as more of like a, a, a project. 
Uh, and again, I thought he played really well. I thought Acosta played well today as well. Um, but uh, I'm also taking into account that we know what Acosta is about and Busio is still young and inexperienced and all those things. I'm taking all of that into account and probably giving him more points because of his age uh, than, than I would another player who is a few years older than him. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's on the bus to Central America just yet. I agree with that. And, uh, but I'm happy that uh, Greg Berhalter gave him some minutes to figure it out because I'm not saying he's not the guy and like you, he's not the guy yet, but all of this goes into the bag to develop him. And if this move to the city happens, it's going to happen very quickly for him. And a lot of the times it was just like, he's doing these back passes, side passes, like pop it up there, get it up to these guys. And he did that more confidently in the second half and it worked. You can't always do that, but a lot of it's just kind of engagement and confidence because the guy's, a beautiful player to watch. So I'm glad that Greg Berhalter gave him that time to figure it out. And I think that's part of having the pressure off here because they don't want to lose the quarterfinal, but Greg Berhalter's not going to have restless nights of sleep. He will when the World Cup qualifying rolls around. That's always priority one, and I'm on board with that. As long as they get that right, and so far they got everything else okay, I'm happy with that. But uh, there, there's space in that midfield. I mean, we saw in the, the Nations League there's – if Tyler Adams and McKinney are healthy, you're, you're good. Musa had an injury recently, I, I was reading, so that could be a problem. And mm-hmm. there might be an opportunity for someone to get in there and play important minutes in September. But it's uh, I, 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 I'm glad. I think Berhalter has used it very well to give these guys as much of an opportunity as possible. I will add mm-hmm. uh, another one that's interesting to me, and I've, I've been on Matt Turner. I think Matt Turner's our best goalkeeper, and he's done really well here still play with his feet a little better, um, especially with this team, but his distribution's great. Shot stopping, all of that's fantastic. I would have felt confident if we went to penalty shootout. Do you, uh, is there, is there still a big competition? We saw that between Horvath coming in. I don't know if that created a competition between him and Stefan, but I, I think this is, I mean, obviously we're getting close to September and I, I would imagine a healthy Stefan gets the nod, but, uh, I think there. this is a, a situation where he may lose a little bit of sleep over, speaking of Greg Berhalter. Absolutely. Uh, because I don't, and I could be wrong, but I don't remember there ever being a scenario where our number one goalkeeper wasn't playing every single weekend. Um, That's the only other one that I've seen it happen recently is the Swedish keeper and he's been okay, but there's that. And then there's some mistakes he makes, which make me real nervous. Mm-hmm. That we saw in the with yeah. Man City and one in the nation, a couple in the Nations League as well. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, again, I think that nod is going to go to you have obviously Horvath putting himself in the conversation, but Turner has been fantastic and he's a big playmaker. And you might not have to face a ton um, for the U.S., but then you might be on a bad day with the U.S. national team. You're going to have to make some saves, or you might have to make that one big save that keeps them in it. And if you saw against Jamaica, he was willing to, to make a few of those saves where he just looked dialed in, and I, I think that puts him into the conversation. Again, the, the idea of, of, of playing week in and week out is certainly going to be favorable come September for anybody. Uh, obviously, you have the benefit of, of coming off of a preseason for Zach Steffen, but... Uh, I don't think the spot is automatically his because of where he's playing. If he's not getting minutes. Really intriguing stuff. And we'll, it's going to build up towards this. The U S soccer uh, has, you know, they had a great night with the nation's league. I, I saw you there with the CBS folks. And that is 
a lockdown engage the attention of this soccer or American eyeballs, which kind of check in and check out. But once you get them, you might have them along for the ride. You now have an opportunity to get another Mexico game next Sunday, which would be electrifying, even though it's not the A teams, it's still USA Mexico. And it's another opportunity to get people excited a month before you're playing really important games. You have three per window, which is going to, it's all going to happen really quickly. And we will, we'll, we'll wait and see to see if the U S have issues qualifying. I don't know. I don't think they should. I think Greg Berhalter has done it well with, with everything building up and it's been pretty unique uh, Heath because he's, they made it clear. We're building towards this. This is who we're going to have the nation's league. Guys are going to have the time off. Mexico kept a lot of guys. Obviously, Chucky Lozano gets injured. That's an issue. But the rest of the guys have been there for the Nations League. So it's been a longer summer. I don't know how that manifests itself. And I guess it's a good question for you with giving these guys a chance to, A, take some time off. Pulisic, McKinney, Tyler Adams, that group. Give them some time off and also spend time with their club. Does that benefit the World Cup qualifying process more so than going right through the summer as many of these players with other countries have done? What, what, how would you view that? Which one do you think has the upper hand or is there an upper hand? Yeah, I think the rest has an upper hand. I think players play so many matches now and coming out of a pandemic season where there was so much added mental and physical stress that went into everything in terms of the travel, the testing, the exhaustion that came with all of that and playing through a lot of time because of certain pauses, having to play through certain windows with a number of games and a condensed schedule. I think the right thing to do was to, to give them time off and recover because you're going to go into this qualifying window and then you're going to run right through next year. And next year you go in through the summer and the summer's not going to stop because it's going to start earlier and then you're going to go into a World Cup in the wintertime. So I, that in general, I think that periodization of of having your players fit and healthy uh, one establishing themselves back with their club teams to make sure that you have players that are fit and playing regularly Two, that recovery period to allow them to you know not come into the national team at some sort of risk of of injury because now you're playing three matches in a in a in an international window so you're gonna have to rely on probably more depth or more miles out of those players and you know you look at the first one for the u.s it's a way home away that's <laughs> That's pretty crazy uh, for, for three fixtures. They're and, shoving it down their throats, man. Everyone. Yeah. And so I think, I think, I think rest was the right thing to do and, and a mature thing to do. Cause if you're, if you're a national team coach, you're not thinking like what's, what's best or, you know, I want to like get my players back to their clubs and whatever. You're like, dude, I never get these guys. So when I get them, I need every minute of their time. And if you ask anybody, Greg Brohalter's schedules are crazy. His days are super long in terms of video and team things and training and, you know, anything that's uh, official, unofficial, like the team is together all the time uh, because you have such, it's, it's such a precious time to have your team and build a culture and build an understanding and identity on the field, off the field that, that you want to make the most of it. And so it, it, any coach will naturally lean towards being like, no, keep them all together. But I think there was his, it seems like an open-mindedness to listening to the medical staff and the wider group to sort of create a positioning on, on what they should be doing with their players. See, I agree that with that too. And maybe it works. I think it will. I think they'll hit the ground running and 
maybe this 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 heavy schedule helps these other countries. I don't know. I mean, they don't play Mexico till I think November, so that's not going to be an issue. But we'll see with a team like Canada, for instance. Even though Davies and David didn't play with the Gold Cup, although their intention was, although they they uh, I know Davies had that injury, but um, it was good for the U.S. It allowed uh, them to take some time off and Christian Pulisic to do some uh, break dancing and dribbling on a grouper while on a fishing trip. You saw that, right? I did. Was that weird? Was that weird as heck? It's just more. It, it was it's just more weird that it, it was like a like I could see if it was like a somebody had, from a boat passing by did it, but like that it was he posted it as a content piece. Um, and other people, I was like, what? It was what so are you, bizarre. Are you trying to bring awareness to an endangered species, or is is a grouper like, endangered? You know, the, the, whatever type of one it was, I think was it was, it was oh was, wow was it maybe not endangered but an at risk. Yeah. Uh, type of whatever. So there was a bunch of fuss, but people will fuss about anything. And, and, uh, but yeah, I was just like, what, what are we, what are we looking at here? You know, like, is it the ticky talky thing is because it was a nice touch. It was, you know, and then obviously he slipped. I don't think, you know, he was trying to catch. A it was little, a giant uh, fish. Back. It was a giant group. Yeah. By the way, it was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was huge. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think allowing these players to rest, I know Weston McKinney probably traveled to a few different cities, getting his party on, um, enjoying <laughs> life. Which, you know, with a mask you know, on, with a mask yeah, on, with a mask yeah. on, um, it, you know, got out to, to L.A. with v, uh, Venice Beach Football Club and played out there in the park with them and got a few training sessions in and 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 a few nights out and really was able to sort of reset his his mind in a lot of ways. And and it's come back. And I don't know if you saw this little clip of him scoring in, in, a, in a preseason friendly, but a few nice touches to, to set up a goal when. Allegri, and then they said that he's got to do 10 of those this year. He's got to score 10 goals for the team. But yeah, look, overall, I think, you know, that recovery time is, is, is really important. I remember my tightest windows of only getting like seven days or nine days in, in some of those summer times because you go from club to national team to a new club to a, a tough situation to, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, that that you, it's hard to make up that once you get it back into, into the swing of things, it's hard to make up that ground, right? Because if you're in a club environment, things aren't going well, your normal days off might not be days off anymore. And it might, right. you know, it, it, those might be gone. It's, it's, yeah, it's pretty fluid in terms of how that stuff uh, can can change for you. When things go really bad, you have a coach go out and a new coach comes in and he wants to. And so, like, if someone's going to give you the time um, when they can, you just take it. What did you do to blow off some steam when you had a few days between club and country? Man, that's a good question. You Was it just Wet Republic in Vegas, four days? <laughs> yeah. Bender? Yeah, just me, me by the poolside with one of those uh, call of cabs, uh, you know. Yeah. With the people, those uh, 10, girls who bring the champagne with the uh, sparklers. Um, no, yeah, obviously look, I, I, enjoy, I, I enjoyed myself. Uh, uh, wow, thanks my, for that answer. But the, but the, but the, but the, uh, the reality is, is that you just, when I look back on it, I have so many fond memories of a night out. But, but it, when I look at it against the calendar, you're like, oh, that's actually rarely happened. You know, because when you, when, you, when you look back at your career, you go, could I take it more serious? Did I, did I do, did I make too many bad decisions? Did I, you know, you, you overanalyze like what could have been different if this than that. And, and I go, well, I, yeah, I did go out from time to time, but it was so rare that I'm like, I should probably not be hard on myself for having a, yeah, an I hope you weren't. Uh, no, no, but, but like, you know, you think about it and you, you try to attribute all these things to like, you know, you look at Ronaldo and he's like, you know, he, he just sits in front of a table with an apple and decides not to eat the apple. And that's like his challenge to himself at the end of the day, because you know, there's sugar in that apple and you're like, is that how I should be? Is that the mentality? And everyone's different. And, and, you know, um, but yeah, 
I don't know. He he is the that. ultimate outlier. So, but and yeah. listen, uh, I guarantee you because I've been I'm like watching what's going on and I see Richarlison. Everyone's going. He scored a hat trick in the Olympics, and I'm like, what the heck is that guy doing at the Olympics? He's played World Cup qualifiers, Copa America, Olympics. Someone's going to tell him no. Take some time off. I guarantee you he's going to get back to Everton and have a flat start to the season. Pedri uh, for the Spanish national team and Oyar Sabal are playing for them. And they did the same thing with the Euros. I go, take a break. Take a break. Mm -hmm. Don't be the guy looking at the apple. You're not Ronaldo. You need a, you're, if you're 18 or 19, you're okay. You have your whole life. But otherwise, enjoy it a little bit. I mean, they, I guess yeah. they are enjoying it. But spend some time with your family. Unwind. Do what Messi does. Go hang out at the Hard Rock in my. Don't do that. Don't go to Miami in July. But to each their own. To each their yeah. own. Spending time with the family, whatever it takes. Exactly. It's it's tough. I mean, if you're if you're a young guy right now, you're like, what am I going to do? Sit uh, during this tough COVID period where you can't go anywhere, do certain gotta be difficult. In places. You know, I'm, I'd rather just put me into another tournament and I'll play games. That's how it is. I could see your head clicking right now, going, maybe I should have gone out. Maybe we should have done that trip to to Loom. I don't. know. I'm just kidding. Hey, well, if you're a player now, by the way, you're, you're thinking about like those times that you didn't travel uh, because you're like when you got put into lockdown, you're like, man, remember, I should have. Yeah. Remember when <laughs> I used to just get coffee in the afternoon uh, at a cafe? Uh, so, yeah, I, mean, I got I got to up the ante. Yeah. What happens in the semis? Who do you have? Do we get USA, Mexico and Las Vegas, which uh, would rescue the Gold Cup big time and CONCACAF? I think. Yeah, I think we're going to get uh, U.S. Mexico. I think Qatar are a great side attacking. I think they're because of that, because of the system they play. Obviously, they have a number of players. The majority of players play at Al Saad. They play in the same club team. Twelve of them, I think it is, that are uh, you know. So there's a must rhythm be good in the way money. They play. Yeah, it's, I mean they're all domestic players. They're all playing domestically. Life is is pretty good for them. Xavi is the is the, is the coach, um, and so they they. They they have a system, right? And when you look at them, you, you see the vulnerabilities, and that's just the style of which they play. They attack with numbers. They play very wide open, high and wide, and they they combine in the attack, and that leaves them a little exposed defensively. I think the U.S. will capitalize uh, on that and 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 reach a final because of that. I'm not they they will create some chances against this U.S. team, but I, I when you put their attack against the U.S. side, I, the U.S. is defensively, I thought, been really really solid and probably the the brightest point of of the team. Uh, as we've talked about, most of them are the ones knocking on the door of the first national team. So uh, I think I like the chances of being able to put away, put away a goal against the guitar or, or a couple, if they're going to leave themselves uh, vulnerable and exposed. And then obviously Mexico against Canada. I think this is where Canada sort of meet their maker. They've, they've had a great run. Their attitude, their approach has been unbelievable. I think that it, there's been a revitalization. I think they've got a real opportunity to build something with a new generation of players that are being developed by major league soccer, as well as abroad and dual nationals and all of these things that I think are going to bring some fruition to uh, uh, team Canada. Um, but, but this Mexico team is just, uh, I think, uh, something that most of those players will have never faced in their careers. They're playing that game in, I want to say Houston in front Houston. of 70 plus. Yeah. yeah. 70 plus where the, uh, where the Houston Texans play football. Yeah. And I, I played it. I played a game in there, uh, an all-star game against Manchester United in a packed house. And that place was rocking. It's indoor. If I, I was, I was at that game where I was at that game. Yes. 
Yeah. I think yeah, I was, it was uh, rocking doing dead. I mean, we gave up a goal. We gave up a goal in like 10 seconds into the game. So it wasn't a great start for us, but, but like it was that place was, it was yeah. yeah. And for, and for neutrals and getting a chance to see Manchester United play, it was a rocking atmosphere. So I can't imagine what it's going to be like with 71,990 uh, Mexico fans and then 10 uh, wearing. Uh, Are those accurate yeah. numbers? I mean, I think they're saying there's going to be potentially 72,000. I don't know how many they're going to, it's a 72,000 seater. I don't know how many they're selling. <laughs> the Canadians game. are going but, to be able but, to. But I don't think the Canadians are going to infiltrate like early tick, yeah. early ticket sales and, 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 and buy up one whole side, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it's going to be a very, very incredible experience for those, for those Canadian players, but one that could end up overwhelming. And as we talked about, they scored, Mexico scored three goals in 12 minutes against El Salvador or, uh, against Honduras, sorry. And so that's the thing about Mexico. If you give up one, if you can hold them off, you can stay in the games for a while, like the U.S. did uh, against them in, in the Nations League final. If you can hold them off for long periods, I think uh, you, you you give yourself a chance. But if you if you get caught up in the moment after they score a goal and the Olays start and you draw a bad foul and the crowd gets into it and the ref gets nervous and the you know everything starts to – it just becomes this theatrical thing, they're going to run away. They're going to batter you. So – that's my advice to, to, to Canada as somebody who's lost by a, who's uh, somebody who's beat Mexico and lost to Mexico by a number of goals. Uh, when, when it was zero, zero at halftime in a gold cup final. Um, I know what that's like. So I would recommend not going down that route. Well, I checked my data and we had Christian Jack a couple of weeks. So I'm getting some listeners in Canada. So they are listening and I'm sure they'll pass it on to their countrymen. I know it's difficult to get out of Canada, so I don't expect many Canadian fans they're going to be shorthanded. By the way, I think they're the third best team in CONCACAF now. With uh, Obviously, you know about Jonathan David and Alfonso Davies. Tejon Buchanan's put his hand up. He's legit. Steven Eustachio uh, has put his hand up. He's legit. Uh, they, I think they, they, are, they can probably get a ticket to the World Cup. We shall see. But suspension issues for this, so it's all poised for Mexico. They're getting better. And the thing that you said about the U.S., I like Qatar a lot. And I just don't think they'll be able to get early goals like they did against El Salvador with this defense, to your point, nailed it. And they just ran out of steam at the end. So their fitness is an issue. That's not an issue for the U.S. You saw the U.S. take advantage of that against Jamaica. I think it'll be a bigger deal and they'll they'll wear out Qatar and it won't be pretty, but we'll get USA-Mexico final. Yeah. Not yeah. too shabby. That'd be nice. Yeah, that'd be nice. Shabby. It's, what, it's what you want. It's what you want. And I think these are the best four teams in this it's, tournament it's, so it's far as well. So you're getting you're getting the semifinals that you want. Uh, I thought I thought Jamaica actually deserved to score a goal against the U.S. They I thought they were solid enough. But I think this is the semifinals that you want. I think Qatar are a little bit of a, uh, a a mystery in terms of you know most of the characteristics or the stereotypes we build around Concacaf or in form out of form Costa Rica being old and Honduras being old and you know th these types of things uh, that you see the natural ebb and flow of these generations. Uh, I think Qatar brings something different because you don't know them. Most of them play between two clubs in, 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 uh, in Qatar and they're, they're kind of a well-oiled machine play, different style of play. So I think that in itself always makes it a, a little bit different, especially in, in, a, in a match of consequence to not know them like you, you would a, a Canada or even a Jamaica knowing like, oh, most of these players uh, I know from playing in uh, be, because where they play in England or because they're major league soccer players and I know them inside and out and they're going to step their game up because it's an international. There are some of those unknowns that I think could, could be uh, a disadvantage for the U.S., but I think, I think they'll handle it. Break some walls. That's really good. As we, we part ways here, Heath, I saw uh, Zach Lowy, I think it's uh, Zach Lowy, had a tweet and he said the semifinalists 
in this Gold Cup represent the next four hosts of World Cups? That's right. Isn't that, wasn't, that a little, yeah. wasn't that a little crafty little tweet? And I was like, why didn't I think yeah. of that? Qatar yeah, in 2022, exactly. USA, Mexico, Canada in 26. We got it. We got it cornered. We got it cornered. Yeah. That's a, I always see it when, whenever there's tweets like that, you're just like, <laughs> I could see it's so easy. I should have known it, you know? uh, but that's well said. Heath, I'm so glad I got to carve some time out with you this weekend. I thought it would be more. I'm glad I got to fess up as to what happened on Thursday with that phone call. You have a great week uh, and keep doing all the great work you're doing with the CBS and the Golasso pod. And we'll, we'll see you on that. And I check you guys out and uh, we'll talk soon, my friend. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. We'll be back on the Soccer OG with stoppage time. I'll talk about the U.S. women's national team and uh, the backlash they might be getting. That's next. are back on the soccer og and uh, i should have reminded you earlier check out the soccer og on youtube under my name max Bretos. great little videos and you'll have the gold cup recap as well which is going to be published sunday night and we'll be here every week may do a midweek soccer og i was going to go on the road for the gold cup to vegas i got to reconsider that because of what happened <laughs> with me I'm sure I'll be a negative by then, but preparing everything could be a little bit hasty, and uh, we'll see. We'll see. So here it is, stoppage time, and the Olympics have begun to not much fanfare, much lower than we would have expected, and um, that's to be expected, obviously. we This was a horrible set of circumstances set towards these athletes who've had to shoulder this burden. I feel for them, and particularly the ones in their first Olympics, and also the uh, the organizing committee. The opening ceremonies was depressing to see that empty stadium. You could see all the people in masks. The organizers like thinking in their heads, go, "How can we get out of this?" <laughs> Someone said they should make them whole and give them the Olympics again. I go, "Do they want the Olympics again? Even with packed houses? I mean, th- we've known this isn't a money maker. You know, the Olympics. Brisbane. Has anyone been to Brisbane?" I grew up in Australia. Brisbane's a small place. They're going to host the Olympics. They're going to have to downsize the Olympics because I don't think it's going to be sustainable moving forward. Unless the IOC adjusts a bit, it's just a huge undertaking. It's so much money. So I know Tokyo probably uh, would reconsider in a heartbeat. Brazil probably, Rio probably would. It's, uh, It's a big job. But we won't get sidetracked on that. I just feel, I felt, I saw the opening ceremonies. I felt so bad for the organizers because there's so much work and you're just taking a huge hit. There are big events. And look, I put the US, no, I shouldn't say, I should put, I put the women's soccer tournament atop because you have the biggest stars of their sport in that of all these major sports, more than the men's tournament, more than uh, basketball. I mean, they have that US team, which is struggling, by the way. And, I think they should. I think the era of the the NBA players, they've got to adjust that. I think it should be pro players, but not Kevin Durant's. And that I mean, maybe make it worthwhile if you're under the age of 24, you can be an Olympian if you're an NBA player. Just kind of weird running its course right now. But uh, the the women's soccer tournament with all the star powers at the top, I mean, it really is. And I'm sure NBC will be the first to tell you about it as long as the U.S. do well, and they didn't. 
losing to Sweden 3-0. They bounced back and they beat New Zealand 6-1. But, you know, I watched both games and the New Zealand one wasn't cut and dry until a little bit late. That scoreline's a bit deceptive. Tuesday morning, they'll have their final group game against Australia, July 27th. They are in group... Uh, these groups are, are absurd. It's, there's The men are A, B, and C, and the women are D, E, and F. I go, what are you doing? <laughs> Just separate them. A, B, C, and D, and then E, F, and G. So the U.S., if they finish second in their group, will play either the Netherlands or Brazil. If they finish third, which is they will happen if they drop it to Australia, would uh, possibly face Great Britain. Just what I've seen, I don't think this is going to end well for the U.S. women. The uh, Both results have shown the, their flaws, which has been major surprise to me. I'm okay with that as long as the, the U.S. women have to deliver the World Cup. It's a bigger event, the Olympics. If you want to argue that with me, you we can and you will lose. Olympic soccer, is now, and we've seen it here, it's not a great product. Uh, these results are all over the place. These are a lot of players that have been at the World Cup qualifiers, Copa America, Euros, and now this, and it's like enough. It's too much. Um, it's just also not a lot of the A-list teams or players and end teams for that matter. They're the second and third best teams in the world in the women, Germany and France aren't there. So it's a flawed tournament, beyond flawed, but that's okay. It's big. We push forward. And if the U.S. women stub their toe here, uh, you want to get it back for the next World Cup in Australia in 2023. Right now, you look at uh, what's the problem. The I'm always, I'm, like I said, the Olympics should be a young person's game. I know Carly Lloyd very well. Megan Rapinoe is a beyond a superstar. Everyone knows who she is in this country. They're like 39, 38. Uh, Becky Sauerbrunn is there and playing their fourth Olympics. I think four Olympics should be a limit. Formiga of Brazil. They're celebrating this and there's nothing to celebrate. Seventh Olympics. There's this, was it uh, Uzbekistani Olymp gymnast, seventh or eighth Olympics? I go, why? Why? Olympics are about that moment, that one time or two times you represent your country and you enjoy it. And then you let the next person do it. You let the next person have that moment. Seven, eight Olympics? That is PR. That is PR. In the case of Formiga, she might be the best defender, but then that's a flaw in the Brazilian soccer because they've got to be doing something to get better players. You're not supposed to be this good at 43. Marta's still there. Marta pleaded to the Brazilians uh, after she stepped away at the last World Cup and take over the reins. Well, she's back. Brazil looked pretty good. Pia Sundaga's taken there. But this is... The women's soccer needs replenishing because the next generation can't be deferred because they're going to be really good, especially in the United States where this sport is growing. You have a professional league. Young girls all over this country now play this sport and say, I could be, I could make money. I'm going to stay with it. And they're, they're getting pushed back because for whatever reason, I've been told a lot of it is with regards to the system and they're in the system and they're getting paid and it's to bring in new players. It's, it's a little tricky. And if that's, if it's red tape and stuff, that's really alarming. So, um, again, with the U.S. women, I, I don't see them winning the gold. Um, making the semifinals looks like it could be 
a real uphill battle based on those opponents I told you. Uh, I think they could meddle. I mean, Sweden already showed they all outclassed them. The Netherlands are supposed to be the best team in this tournament. Great Britain, which is really England, made a semifinal in the World Cup. So uh, I think this is a good spot where they can kind of go say, all right, we're going to bleed in some youngsters. Their best players, Rose Lavelle, the young players, and see if you can mix them in with that group. Alex Morgan still play, has got plenty. Uh, Rapino and Lloyd started the New Zealand game, which probably mean more than anything that they're going to just wait for uh, um, the next group to come in and Kristen Press to come in. Uh, who's Who am I forgetting? Uh, Tobin Heath and finish the job against Australia. So um, I'd like to see that because the U.S. are still the number one team in the world. There shouldn't be any question. But I did a video on OG and I've got as many views as I've got a lot of downloads talking about what happened with the U.S. team. What do they need to fix? This women's team deserves so much credit for what they did. They changed the game. They're trying to make it better for the next generation. Uh, whether they had a case with this equal pay, which they really didn't, um, when you look at everything, and it's they, it, you got, a contract's got to be worth the ink that it's written with, um, and uh, you know they didn't have that, so they were never going to win. So they got to find a deal that works for them, and they, they'll have to stick to it. That's how it works. So, but at least they went out there and they've made it, and they've been championing it. But the comments, I hope it's not my audience, because a lot of people don't like them. I mean, some crazy comments. Not proud of this team. They need to be taught a lesson. I mean, that's out there. And that shouldn't be it. And you shouldn't pull against your national team just because you don't like some players that are on it. I, I, I agree. These, they are not, they're not uh, unicorns and rainbows. I mean, they can be prickly and stuff. But that's kind of their identity. And I, I, well, I kind of like them. They don't give a crap. <laughs> And I think Americans should all like them because they beat the snot out of people. But if they don't win like that, then you're left with something. Something that is not as appealing for the American public. I have faith in them because they are tougher than shoe leather. And they have very thick skin and they can battle through it. But they all have to ha pass on the mantle to the next generation to see where it goes. But this is an interesting development. And maybe they prove us, not prove us all wrong. Maybe they just turn on the thrusters and win the gold medal. This has been the Soccer OG. As always, a pleasure to be with you. We'll be back maybe Wednesday to recap the semifinals. Please check it out and share it with a friend. And hi to everyone in Malvern. Malvern getting great downloads up there. So if anyone's listening to Malvern, I've noticed and I appreciate you and the college campuses. We're coming for you because we can see who's downloading it. Makes me feel a lot younger. Thank you for that. As I always do at the end of every show, I wish you a Placido Domingo.